So I'm breaking a long-standing tradition for a church that's only nine years old. It is a long-standing tradition. The last eight years, I have preached Kadesh Barnea numbers 13 and 14 to begin each new year because I don't want you and I don't want myself to shrink back from going with God in the new year. And as you know, Kadesh Barnea has become shorthand, biblical shorthand for the costly consequences of not obeying the Lord, of being afraid to go on with God. It's the perfect, really, I think, the perfect sermon to begin the new year. And we may talk about it next week, I'm not sure. But tonight, as I told you, I got stuck on God in the Psalms. And um, I, 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 I couldn't get off of Him just being in awe of who He is. And I think that's always a good thing. And it's a good place to start. I think and I, I felt led of God to share where I was with you. And Lord willing, it will mean much to you as well. I, and, and when I saw Ratio's music selections, I knew that God wanted me to preach Psalm 99 because we just sang Revelation song. Filled with wonder. Someone tell me. Awestruck wonder. And then that beautiful song we just followed up with, I Surrender All. This is really the sermon. <laughs> because I'm filled with wonder, awestruck wonder at this great God, I surrender all to Him. Not just a little bit. Not just on Sunday. It's not just religion with me. I give Him myself. Utterly. Completely. Totally. I am His. He is mine. I'm His disciple. I belong to Him. And He can command me to go anywhere or do anything. I will go. I will do it. Because He's the great God of Scripture. He is the great God of Scripture. So the application tonight for you and me is wonder. Awestruck wonder. And I pray, you know, that it has its intended effect. We are called into worship that we might go out and live it. Beloved, the fruit of worship is a life of obedience. That is the fruit of worship. We don't just come in here and spend ourselves in worship. We come in here and we get filled up with God and we go out there and we make Jesus famous in our families and in our workplaces, in our schools. The application tonight is worship. And if we ever really get any small sense of just how great King Jesus is, we will never shrink back again. We will not be like the Old Testament Jews at Kadesh Barnea. We will not shrink back. We will press on with God. I'm not talking about perfection because all of us in here know none of us are perfect. We all sin, we all fail, and we all fall. But that's what grace is about. And we get up and we press on with God. We press on with God. So tonight as we take just a few minutes to look at the unrivaled greatness of God, I challenge you to make the application in your own life in 2013. If our God is God, and He is. If our God is Almighty, and He is. If our God is Sovereign, and He is. 
If our God reigns over every last molecule in the cosmos, and He does, there is no valid excuse for you not to radically obey Him in 2013. You have no excuse. In fact, you have complete and total, utter license to believe radically and obey radically. In fact, this is what God calls His people to do. Man, you're only here for a few minutes as compared to eternity. God expects His people to believe He's great and then live like He's great. Amen? That's what we're called to. We're not simply called to show up at church on Sunday. I'm glad you show up at church on Sunday. I don't like preaching to nobody. <laughs> we're supposed to come to church. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We know what the Word of God says. But it's not just about church, is it? We come here to get built up. We go out there. And we're disciples. We're disciples making Jesus famous in the world. You know what's true. I say it to you all the time. To really believe that our God is God is to really live like our God is God. His greatness will not simply be heard in our words. It will be on display in our deeds. This is what God has called us to. This is what God expects. That we do His greatness. We do bold things because He's a great God. It's not because I'm great, and it's certainly not because you're great. It's because what? Yeah, He's God. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. For the Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise His great and awesome name. Holy is the Lord. Beloved, He's called us to live that every day. Every day. So I ask you as we talk a little bit about the greatness of our God, what have you been shrinking back from? How have you been shrinking back from following the Lord? I exhort you no more. No more. In 2013, you go with God. 2013, you sell out to God. 2013, you obey Him like you have never obeyed Him before. At every turn, obey Him. And you know what happens when you obey the Lord. We know what happens. What happens? Jesus says, I'll disclose Myself to you. That's what happens. Some of you could give testimony here. When we, when we obey the Lord in a new way, He comes to us. He discloses Himself to us. To me, that's the addicting part of obedience. It's not just simply that we should. Yes, we should. But it's not about we should. It's about I get God. When I obey God in a new way, when I push the envelope, when I scare myself a little bit, when I take a genuine risk for the cause of Christ, God comes to us. It says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And if you keep my commandments, I will love you and I will come to you. John 14, 21. It's the promise of God. He comes to His people. Obedience is always a God encounter. So I challenge you, 2013, let it be full of God encounters. Hey, I don't want you to even be able to recognize yourself. When you get to December 2013, 
as you look back to as in January of, of 2013, I don't even want you to be able to recognize yourself. I don't even want to be able to recognize myself because I will be have I will so have be cha uh, be changed by the Lord and by the God encounters of going with the Lord and following Him. The implication of Psalm 99, 1-3 is that God is God and oh, guess what? Nobody else is. Right? Our God is God. <laughs> All the other gods in the world, little g, they're pretenders. They're wannabes. They're a joke. They're paper, they're paper tigers. They're nothing. Our God is God. King Jesus is God. King Jesus reigns. Let the people tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake at the mighty name of King Jesus. The implication of Psalm 99, 1-3 is that if we've really glimpsed God this way, we will never insult Him with lukewarm religion. We know how Jesus feels about it. He's made it clear to us. And if we understand that Jesus Christ is this great God, this great Creator, Redeemer God, before whom all the world trembles and all its peoples, we would never insult Him with lukewarm religion. We would do as He has called us to do. Give ourselves away to Him. You know, it's simply believing that He's a competent God. You know, I, I find many times that it, it, people simply don't believe He's competent. <laughs> they just don't trust Him. I can't give like that. I can't love like that. I can't serve like that. I can't become vulnerable like that. I can't minister like that. Why not? You really don't believe how great your God is. Or you would make no excuses. You would make no excuses. You can't truly meet Jesus Christ and continue to live like the world. I say this to you all the time. It's scriptural and it's a scriptural oxymoron. You simply can't do it. And I'm going to say to you what I say to you quite often. I'm going to quote Daniel 11.32, the people that do know their God, they shall go to church. Right? It's a little different. And I want you to understand I want you to come to church. You're supposed to come to church. I'm supposed to come to church. I'm a preacher. I'm supposed to be at church. You're a lover of Christ. You're supposed to come to church. You're supposed to be a part of this body. Love this body. Serve this body. Give to this body. But the people who know their God, they shall be, someone tell me, strong. And they shall do exploits. Daniel 11.32 The people who do know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. God has called you to do exploits. Not merely show up at church. It's good that you show up at church. I'm glad you're here. Please come back next Sunday. 
God's called His people to live like He's great. People are supposed to look at our lives and hear our words and say, man, their God is God. Beloved, this is what the Lord is calling us to This awesome, fearsome, consuming fire God of the Bible is unapologetically clear. He's God and nobody else is. I share this with you maybe two or three times a year, but here it comes. I love these verses. This is a, just a, a group of verses from the prophet Isaiah. King Jesus says, To whom then will you liken me, liken me that I should be His equal? I am God and there is none who can deliver out of My hand. I act and who can reverse it? I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides Me there is no God. Before Me there was no God and there will be none after Me. There is no Savior besides Me. I am God and there is no one like Me. The nations are nothing before Me. I sit above the vault of the earth. I am the everlasting God. There is no other. I am the first. I am the last. There is no one like Me. I declare the end from the beginning. My purpose will be established. I will accomplish all my good pleasure. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. King Jesus reigns. Any amens? King Jesus reigns. Are you living like He reigns? Beloved, this is what it always comes down to. Do we really believe? I'm not talking about propositionally. I'm talking about with our lives. Do we really believe? Are we believing with our lives? He is the great Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the Ancient of Days. He's the uncreated Creator God. And you hear me say it all the time. He effortlessly speaks 400 plus billion galaxies into existence. And He upholds those galaxies by the Word of His power. He's the great God of Mount Sinai. You may remember when the Jews, the Old Testament Jews gathered around Mount Sinai and there was lightning and thunder and blazing fire and darkness and gloom and thick smoke engulfed the quaking mountain as Jehovah God came down and the people trembled. Daniel saw Him and writes, His throne was ablaze with flames and a river of fire was flowing out before the Lord and thousands upon thousands were attending Him and myriads upon myriads were standing before Him. Isaiah saw him and he writes, The Lord was high and lifted up on his throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and the seraphim called out to one another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. One thing that's being said there, and there are many, many things being said there when they call out holy, but one is, there's no one like him. That's what it means to be holy in one sense. There's nobody like him, he is other. There's nobody like Him. There's nobody like Him. There's nobody like Him. That's what they're saying, beloved. I hope you know that. And I hope it drives your life. There is no God like our God. John saw Him and he writes, His eyes were like a flame of fire. His voice was, this, was like the sound of many waters. And His face was like the sun shining in its strength. And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and a number of them were myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb 
that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. King Jesus reigns. Amen? Are you living like it? That's really the application. You can, you can nod your heads in here, but you can go out there and deny it. You can give mental assent in here that King Jesus is the great Creator, Redeemer, God. But God's not called us simply to nod our heads. God's called us to go out there. That's what I'm calling you to in 2013. To go out there and be a disciple. Go out there and live the greatness. This great God who clothes Himself in a rainbow and He dwells in unapproachable light. The psalmist says, the Lord reigns. Clouds and thick darkness surround Him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. Fire goes up before Him and burns up His adversaries round about. His lightnings lit up the world. The earth saw and trembled. The mountains melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. Our God is, as the song says, indescribable, incomparable, and untamable. What does it mean that God reigns? The word we most often use is that He is sovereign. What does it mean that God is sovereign? It means that He is, he, uh, <clears throat> he is sovereign in His absolute, uncontested, infinite power and authority. He has no peer. He has no colleague. He has no equal. He is not only El Shaddai in name, only He is El Shaddai in Indeed, just a few Scriptures. Daniel 4.35 God does according to His will in heaven and earth. Oh, guess what? No one can stay His hand. Do you think about Him like that? Of course you can be a disciple. No one can stay the hand of your God. <laughs> of course you can do exploits. No one can stay the hand of your God. He does whatever He pleases. In heaven and in earth, Psalm 135.6, whatever the Lord pleases, He does. 1 Timothy 6.15 and 16, He is the only sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords who alone possesses immortality and eternal dominion. 1 Chronicles 29.11, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and in the earth Yours is the dominion, O Lord. You exalt Yourself as head over all. Beloved, who can turn back the outstretched arms of God? Don't be afraid when you go out there. Don't be afraid to speak the name of Christ. Don't be afraid to radically obey Christ. Don't be afraid to be known as a as a little bit crazy disciple of Christ. You know, people sometimes, they, after they get converted, and they'll come to me and say, man, my family thinks I'm nuts. I said, that's right. You are nuts! In the best way. They don't get this great love you have for Jesus. They can't understand it. You must be patient with them. You must show them His godness and His goodness in your deeds and in your words. It's the challenge of faith God gives to His people in Hebrews 11.6. You know, it's my, 
The thing I go back to so often, we must not only believe that He is, we must believe that He is good. The problem with many in the church is they don't really believe He's good. Therefore, they will not take a risk out in the world. They, they won't really take a risk out there because they don't really trust Him and they don't really believe He'll show up. Listen, the whole Bible, it's full of, of how God shows up. He shows up. When His people believe and obey, guess what? He shows up. The Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. You know, if God, was, if God did not reign, if He was not utterly sovereign, none of His promises would be any good. But every one of them is good. Because He reigns. You can count on every last promise out there. You can count on every last one. Because He reigns. Beloved, this is a big deal with God. We're not simply supposed to believe this. We're supposed to live this. We're supposed to live this. That's my challenge to you. It's the challenge God is making to me in 2013. I want to break new ground with God in 2013. I pray you want to break new ground with God in 2013. I want to believe God and obey God like I never have before. Because John 14:21 is true. Jesus will come and disclose himself to me. I want to say that this really delineates biblical Christianity from pseudo-Christianity. False Christians say they believe, they simply never ever live like it. That's false Christianity. That's pseudo-Christianity. To simply speak it and never live it, it is a lie. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Beloved, we need to be word doers. We need to be word doers. Let me just speak briefly about ways that we can simply identify <clears throat> the uh, sovereignty of God, the, uh, the degree to which God reigns. He's, the Bible makes it clear that He reigns over all the created order. He governs the courses of the 400 plus billion galaxies in the cosmos as well as the electron within the single cell and everything in between. He controls it all. You know, the first century hearer didn't know about the 400 plus billion galaxies. They didn't know how many of them were out there. I mean, we still don't know how many are out there. It's a lot. But Jesus said it to the first century here so they could understand. Remember what He said? He said, not a sparrow will fall to the ground. What? Apart from My reigning Father. The countless trillions of sparrows around the world. Not one! Why? Because God reigns. God is sovereign in His creation. Not one will fall to the ground. And I can multiply endless examples. The beast obeyed Him in coming to Noah. The rains obeyed God in the flood. Frogs, lice, flies, locusts obeyed God in the judgments of, of Egypt. The microbes of disease of man and beast obeyed God in, in, in the, the judgments of Egypt. The waters of the Red Sea obeyed God. The earth and sun obeyed God standing still that Joshua might give, get the victory. 
The wind and the waves of the storm obeyed the simple command of God. Our God holds hurricanes and tsunamis and tornadoes in His hand. God is sovereign in the created order. Secondly, God reigns over life and death. God tells us in Acts 17.28, for in Him, in Him we live and move and have our being. The vast majority of men have no understanding of this reality. God is consciously upholding me right now. If God were not consciously upholding Jim Albright right now, I would immediately fall to the ground dead. God is consciously upholding me. I, my, my being is derived from His. I have no being apart from His. I live and breathe because... It pleases God who among you can make His heart beat one more time. I'd like to see a show of hands. Who among you can generate one more brainwave? We're awful arrogant as a species. Beloved. My heart doesn't beat one more time without the will of God being involved. For Samuel 2.6, God says, I kill and I make alive. God says, I do that. I give the gift of life. I take it. It's His prerogative. He reigns. You say, Jim, I don't know if I like that. It doesn't matter if you like it. It doesn't matter if I like it. He's God. You're not. He's God and nobody else is. God says, I kill, I make alive. You know, we just need to have some humility before this great God. So if you may remember, I buried uh, my father back in 2011. I preached the funeral. It was awesome. People said, oh, can you do it? Can you do it? Oh, I don't think you should try. Why not? My God reigns over death. Yes? My God reigns over the grave. My God reigns in the graveyard. He reigns over the coffin. He reigns in the mortuary. My Father wasn't in the box. My Father was in the presence of God. Because my God reigns. I love preaching funerals. I'm ready to do another one. I mean, I hope it's none of you guys. But what a celebration! All the world can do is weep. And yes, we weep and we grieve. We lose proximity to our loved one. But our God reigns. Amen? Our God reigns. Thirdly, we know that God reigns over all the spiritual entities, both the unfallen angels and the fallen angels or the demons, we understand if we read the Gospels that the demons were always constrained by the mighty Word of God. They always had to obey Jesus Christ. We see from Scripture, particularly the book of Job, that God has and exercises complete sovereign authority over Satan. Satan is but a dog on a leash. He can do no more than what God has allowed. Our God reigns in the spiritual realm. So we've seen that God reigns over every aspect of creation from microbes to galaxies and from frogs to Satan. But 
Lastly, what about mankind? Is God sovereign in the hearts and lives of men? Or does God, uh, does His will rule and reign? Or does man's will rule and reign? You know, I've mentioned it to you many times. There's a, there's a heresy in the modern church. It's probably 10, 15 years old now. It's called open theism. It basically says that, that man's will trumps God's will. I mean, this is rank apostasy. It's simply rank apostasy. The Scriptures are clear. Proverbs 16.1 The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Proverbs 16.9 The mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 19.21 Many are the plans in the, in the man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord it will stand. Proverbs 21.1 The king's heart is like a channel of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it whichever way he wishes. The Scriptures are clear. If we profess to be Bible believers, we must affirm that God's reign extends to the human heart. The Bible tells us that God can and does judicially harden the hearts of rebellious sinners. The Bible tells us that God can and does open the sinner's heart to respond to Him. God righteously hardens the hearts of men unto judgment. Exodus, Isaiah, John, and Romans. God graciously opens the hearts of men unto salvation. Ezekiel, John, Acts, Romans, Ephesians, Titus. While many in the modern church reject and even recoil at some of these assertions, with unapologetic sovereignty, God says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. So then He has mercy on whom He desires, and He hardens whom He desires. Romans 9, 15-18 Beloved, we need to have some humility before this great God who reigns. We need to have some humility. We need to understand that His will reigns supreme. Our God is not the pathetic, frustrated, stymie, thwarted God presented in so many Christian pulpits around the world. He reigns. He's the awesome, fearsome, consuming fire God of the Bible. He's I Am. He declares the end from the beginning. He's El Shaddai. He will accomplish all His good pleasure. He is King Jesus before whom every knee will bow, even the damned. Psalm 99 is everything to me. Psalm 99, 1-3, it's everything to me. I have complete license to obey the Lord without constraint. My God reigns. He is enthroned above the chariot. Let the peoples tremble. Let the earth shake. But I will not. Because I am in relationship with this great God. So beloved, He's God. And if you profess to be a Christian, He's your God. I ask you, are you living that truth? Are you living like your God is God? Are you loving like He's God? Are you serving like He's God? Are you giving like He's God? Are you praying like He's God? Are you witnessing like He's God? Are you obeying Him in all those small things like He's God? And are you following Him in all those huge things? Those life-altering things like He's God? (coughs) In short, have you surrendered to His Lordship? Are you living like a true Disciple, 
God has called us to obey Him with glad, reckless joy. My question is, are you? That's the question that God has for me tonight and that He has for you. God expects His people to live huge lives of faith simply because He is who He is. I tell you this all the time. How you live is a commentary on what you believe to be true about God. Just how great is your God? If I just look at your deeds, just how great would I postulate that your God is simply by looking at your life the last year? If I look at 2011, could I see the greatness of God? Could I, could I see that echo in your life? The greatness of God in your life? Beloved, that's what I'm challenging you to. I think that's what the Lord is challenging us to. In the new year, real Christians can do Hebrews 11. Why? Someone tell me. Because we're awesome. No. You may be awesome, little a. Probably not. I don't know, maybe there's one or two awesome people in here. I don't want to name names. But it's because God's awesome. We can do Hebrews 11. We can do exploits. We can be Gideon. We can be Abraham. We can be Noah. We can be Sarah. We can be Rahab. Even better. I'm not supposed to be any of those people. I'm just supposed to be Jim in love with Jesus. That's what you're supposed to be. A Christian in love with Jesus we can do James chapter 1. We can count it all joy when trial comes. Someone tell me. Because we're awesome. No, why? Because our God reigns. We can do 1 Peter chapter 1. We can face persecution. Why? Because we're so awesome. No. It's because He is. We can do the book of Job. We can face death and unspeakable loss because our God reigns. No matter what comes, our God reigns. Beloved, I love this about Him. I love His sovereignty. You have so much freedom in His sovereignty. If you're not appropriating it, I challenge you, begin to appropriate the freedom you have in God's absolute, total, complete, utter sovereignty. Real Christians can believe and live Romans 8.28 <clears throat> because our God reigns. He'll take every hard thing and He'll work it together for good. For those who love Him, those called according to His purpose. Real Christians can do John 11. We can bring impossible things to Jesus and He can change them because He is the God who reigns. I want to say to you, we can bring every fear, every doubt, every anxiety, every concern, every uncertainty, every illness, every trial, every threat, every hurt, every loss. He reigns over all of it. And on your worst day, which I say to you all the time, God is going to work good in it. It's like cheating. It really is. It really is. While we're back in the States and I'm basically done, 
we were back in the States and friends kept asking me, well, how's ICM doing? How's ICM doing? And I, most of you know, some of you know, we only averaged around 35 people in the fall. It was a good group, but historically it's very small. It's very small for ICM. And I, I got to where I was partial to telling people, well, from the outside looking in, it doesn't look viable anymore. And sometimes from the inside looking out, it doesn't look viable anymore. But guess what? My God reigns. Amen? ICM is not viable because Jim is here or because you're here. ICM is viable because God, God has purposed to show up here. God's been showing up here for nine years. Okay? Really on paper, this thing's a joke. This thing, it doesn't work on paper. But God just keeps doing what God does. God just keeps showing up. And I am filled with wonder. Awestruck wonder. I pray that you are, beloved. I pray that you are. I just want to remind you that God has called us to be disciples. And to fall short of that is a great insult to Him. Because really, what it says is, I don't believe you're God enough to really take a risk for. That's really what it says. I know we want to couch that differently and we want to talk about it differently, but what it really says is if I won't go out there and take a risk for Jesus, if I won't go out there and be radically identified as a disciple of Jesus, it really says I don't think He's God enough and I don't really trust Him. So I challenge you, in 2013, meditate deeply on Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He's enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion and is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise His great and awesome name. Holy is our great God. Go live it, beloved. Go live it in 2013. Go live it like you've never lived it before. I, I, I exhort you. You may not have another year. This may be your last. I don't know. It may be my last. I've often thought how many people would say, man, they get, they get up you know, they get before the Lord and they're just going, man, why didn't I really give myself away? Why didn't I really become a radical disciple? Beloved, we only have a few moments on the earth. Let 2013 be the Lord's. Give it to the Lord. The Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. And I just want to finish with this. I know you know this. The God of Psalm 99, 1-3. He is the God who is with us. He is the God who is in us. And He is the God who is for us. How can we live it small? How can we be afraid? <laughs> he is with us. He is in us. And He is for us. Let's go be disciples this year. Let's pray together.
Lord, thank You for this great text. Of course, what makes it great is it's about You. (laughs) It's about You. I thank You for the challenge, Lord. I pray that we would accept the challenge. That our lives in 2013 would confess the greatness of our God. No more half measures, no more compromises, no more rationalizations. We will be disciples in 2013. We will do exploits in 2013. We will love and serve and give to this church in 2013. We will make Jesus famous in the world in 2013. And we can do all these things because You reign. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.